Well, you want the shortened, condensed version tonight? Or <laughs> I was in a convention. Uh, it's been decades ago now. And uh, one of the elder ministers got up. He paused and he said, eat the whole roll. <laughs> well, he's talking about the, the word of God, the whole counsel, the whole message. We ought not just pick and choose parts, but let's eat the whole roll. Um, on Friday nights in the marriage meeting, in times past, Phyllis and I have uh, dealt with uh, some of the questions that have come in. And we don't uh, say that we'll try to answer every question, but uh, over the previous years and even years before we had the church here, we were in the ministry and ministered to people concerning their marriages, endeavoring to learn things ourselves. And some over the years, you'll see some questions that just keep recurring. Maybe they worded a little bit differently, but it's the same basic deal. And you know, uh, we're a lot the same, all of us. And the devil's using the same tricks. And thank the Lord, the Word works the same for everybody. So uh, don't think that something peculiar and strange is happening to you that's not happening to anybody else. It's simply not true. Well, I hadn't heard about it. Well, there's a lot you hadn't heard about. And there's a lot of people on the planet. And you know how many of them? You know, (laughs) I assure you it's substantially less than 1% of the world population that you've ever had any dealings with. The Bible is true. It says that we're experiencing the same trials and the same tests. All of us are. That none, you know, anything that's happened is common to man. But God has made a way of escape. Can you say amen? So uh, I want to share a few things and then I want Phyllis to come up with me and we'll talk about some of these things together. And, uh, her have access to share uh, anything the Lord would put on her heart about it. But go with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter. 1 Corinthians 13. I want to read this whole chapter in the Amplified, if you all be ready to put that up on the screen for us. The answers to the issues, to the questions, is in the Word. You believe it? Do you believe there is no problem, no challenge, no issue that any married couple, any family, any husband, any wife, man, woman could come up with or have to deal with that's not already covered in the Word? Do you believe the answer is in the Word? You need to believe that whether you see it or know it or not, you need to believe that that God has given us a complete redemption. He didn't leave anything out. It's all there. The answer is in the Word. Sometimes people say, well, I've read it and read it. And if it's in there, I don't see it. Well, it's in there. It's in there. <laughs> but it's easy to hear and not hear. You know, uh, uh, we don't need to try to find new scriptures that nobody's heard of. <laughs> the scriptures that we are, most of us are familiar with, they are the answers. But uh, seeing and not seeing. Hearing and not hearing. That is the problem. So are we believing together tonight? Yes, sir. 
that maybe if you read past something and the answer's been right there in front of your face for all these years, the lights can come on tonight and, and you can go, well, there it is. Uh, what have I been confused about? The answers to so much of it is in this one chapter right here. 1 Corinthians 13. I want to read it in the Amplified. Follow along with me with whatever you've got. Before I do, let me just mention a few of the questions that we've heard repeatedly. One we've heard a lot is, uh, when is it okay not to submit? We've got that one a lot. (laughs) When is it okay to leave them? When is it okay to divorce? When is it okay to remarry? When is it okay? You see, over the years, scores of questions in that tenor and vein. The answer to all those questions and many, many more is right here in this 13th chapter. Don't assume you know what I'm talking about. It's here. I saw some things even today that I hadn't seen in this chapter right here. It's exciting me. Amplified, let me read it to you. Before I do, say it out loud. The answers answers are in the Word. word. They're right here. They're right here. here. He said, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love... I am only a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Verse 2. We're going to read the whole chapter. If I have prophetic powers, understand all the secret truths of mysteries and possess all knowledge. And if I have faith so that I can remove mountains but have not love, I'm nothing. Even if I dole out all that I have, uh, For food, and if I surrender my body to be burned, or in order that I may glory, but have not love, I gain nothing. Is it possible to be a humanitarian without love? To do a bunch of good deeds, and your motivation is something other than the love of God. It is. And you can do all kind of stuff, and it didn't come from love. As far as what you benefit from it, is nothing. Verse 4 He begins describing this God kind of love, the love that God is, and the love that every child of God has shed or brought in their heart if they'll let it dominate them. Love endures long and is patient and kind. Never say you're not patient. Got four or five people with me. Brother Keith, that's just one thing, man. I just I just don't have much patience. Do you believe in confession at all? Do you believe in words and faith? This is your confession. I endure long. I'm patient. I'm kind. You see where this is going? This is what you ought to be saying over yourself, irrespective of how you have been or how you feel. Goes on to say love is never as envious or boils over with jealousy. So people say, well, I got, that's my problem, man. I I got, you know, I got problem with my temper. I got a bad temper and, and and I'm jealous. No, no, you are never envious and you never boil over with jealousy. 
I've been real proud. No, you're not boastful. You're not vainglorious. You don't display yourself haughtily. You're not a show off. How many think it'd be a good idea to jump in on this and start saying this kind of thing over yourself and get your words working for you? Say it out loud. I am not a show off. He went on to say it's not conceited. It's not rude. It doesn't act unbecomingly. You can say that too. I'm not conceited. I'm not rude. I don't act unbecomingly. I don't insist on my own rights. Or my own way. I am not self-seeking. I'm not touchy. I'm not fretful. I'm not resentful. I take no account. Of evil done to me. I pay no attention. To a suffered wrong. People say well. I, that sounds mighty good. But that just ain't me. That just I'm sorry but. It can be you if you'll just choose what you yield to. And it starts with faith and putting your words on it. Faith calls those things that be not as though they were. So if you hadn't been that way, all the more reason to say it. Sit out loud, I don't rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness. I rejoice when the right and truth prevail. Verse 7, I bear up under anything and everything that comes. I'm ever ready to believe the best of every person. I keep hoping under all circumstances. I endure everything without weakening. You know, faith is in here too. Faith works by this love. Verse 8, love never fails. Well, if that's you acting like that and living like that, then you're not going to be failing. The love in you is going to triumph. He said, as for prophecy, it'll be fulfilled and pass away. As for tongues, they'll be destroyed and cease. Knowledge, it'll pass away. Verse 9, our knowledge is fragmentary. Incomplete and imperfect are prophecies fragmentary. Verse 10, when the complete and perfect comes, the incomplete and imperfect will vanish away. Verse 11, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. And let's just stop here. How, from the previous verses, imperfectly, with partial knowledge. Now that I've become a man, I'm done with childish ways and have put them aside. Verse 12. We're looking in a mirror that gives only a dim reflection. But then we shall see in reality and face to face. Now I know in part. Everybody say in part. In part. But then I shall know and understand fully and clearly, even in the same manner as I have been fully and clearly known and understood. Verse 13. So faith, hope, love, abide. And that's the amplified definitions. These three, but the greatest of these is love. What's the answer? What will work when nothing else will? What will continue and remain when everything else comes and is in fashion and fad and goes away and is here for a while and gone tomorrow? Love. Hope. Faith. Faith. 
These always work. These remain throughout this life into the life to come. The answer to those questions, when is it okay to quit working with this spouse of mine? When is it okay not to submit? When is it okay to say, that's it, call it quits? When is it okay? Well, the answer has to do with the light that we have. Uh, Hosea 4.6, you don't have to turn there. But it says, my people are destroyed for what? That's not the end of the verse. Because you have rejected knowledge. God holds us responsible for the light that he knows we have. He knows what light we have. He's the one that gave it to us. And you can't fool him and act like you don't know when you know and that you don't see when you see. People focus on the details of issues. Well, I just don't understand why he's this way. And I don't understand why she does that. And I don't understand this. And I don't understand that. And people use their lack of understanding as an excuse not to walk in the light they have. And it is no excuse. Not understanding one thing does not excuse you from doing what you do understand. Well, I just don't understand this. Okay. The Lord's not holding you accountable for what you don't understand. He is holding us accountable for what we do understand. If we would just do what we know, our life would turn around. If we would just walk in the light we have, it is the key to getting more light. Walking in the light that you have, walking by faith, brings you into more light. But if you stop because you get hurt, you get mad, you get upset because of something you don't understand. Can you see what a trick of the devil this is? How many people that ought to be with us tonight, but they're not in church? Or in thousands of churches all over the country and world just like this one. That ought to be with the people. They ought to be worshiping. They ought to be working. They ought to be tithing and praying and winning people to the Lord. But they got offended. They got hurt. Something didn't turn out the way they knew that it should. Or the way that they prayed or or tried to believe or hoped that it would. And because of something they didn't understand, they stopped doing everything they knew to do. Are you with me, friends? Can you see what a trap, what a snare this is? Because if you do that, if you stop doing what you know to do while you try to figure something out, you are stuck, my brother. You are now, darkness will increase in your life and confusion will increase every day that you put off doing what you know until you figure it out. Because our God is a God of faith. 
And he expects, yea, he requires you to walk by faith with what you know. And you can't put everything on hold until you figure it out. Sin is violation of light. Go with me to 1 John, why don't you? 1 John 1. 1 John 1 and 7. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship. Somebody say we have fellowship. fellowship. One with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. The word cleanseth is the present tense continuum. Not cleansed, not will cleanse, cleanses continuously. And why would you talk about cleansing, continuous cleansing of sin when you're talking about walking in the light? Because to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, is there any excuse? Well, yeah, but somebody heard him and and yeah, but they didn't understand why this happened and, and so they just shut down. I got hurt and I just shut down. What does that mean, I just shut down? I stopped doing what I knew to do. I stopped trying. I stopped walking in the light that I had. Oh, friend, that is sin. There's no excuse for sin. There's forgiveness for sin, but there's no excuse for it. We are accountable For the light that we have. If you know something you should do. (laughs) Do it. Yeah but what about them? You're not responsible for the light they have. You know Phyllis talked about this other night didn't she? With Adam and Eve and the serpent. Adam wasn't held responsible. For everybody's failure. He was held responsible for his. The woman was for hers. The serpent was for its. Right? I'm telling you, the Lord, the righteous judge of all the earth, holds each one of us accountable and responsible for the light we have. And only he knows exactly how much light every one of us have. And that's one of the reasons why we're, we're commanded not to judge each other, because you don't know. The light in another person. You don't know how much they really see. And how much they don't see. And if a person is doing something in ignorance. The Lord knows that. And it's different. Than if they're blatantly. Rebelliously. uh, Violating light. Very different with him. One he'll have mercy on. And have patience with. And the other you can be judged for. Are y'all with me, friends? And you don't know another person's heart. You know, that's why it can seem to the the undiscerning outward observer, how in the world do those people get away with that? Look what they've done. And look at all this stuff. And it looks like they just get away with it. A lot of times they don't see some things. They really have not seen it. And the Lord is merciful. And he's patient, long-suffering. 
But then it looks like this person, they just do one little thing and boom, they get in trouble. And it's, well, again, you're seeing a situation where this person had light. They knew better. They saw it. They understood. You are responsible for the light you have, not the light your spouse has. And not understanding what's going on with them is no excuse for you not walking in the light you have. Not doing what you know to do. If we'll walk in the light as he's in the light, our fellowship is full and unhindered and restricted. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, is cleansing us from sin. Why bring that up now? Because even though you got some light... There's a whole lot of stuff you don't, we know in part. There's a whole lot of stuff you don't know and haven't seen yet. And it's those parts that are causing you to make some mistakes. But when you don't even see it and know it, the blood of the lamb is cleansing you. Oh, come on. Can you see this? If you're walking in all the light that you have and doing what you know to do, that's all any man or woman can do. Well, they should be doing more. Well, if you don't see it and don't know it, how can you do it? But a whole lot of people are con men and women. They try to act like they don't know when they do. They try to act like they don't see it. And friend, if you dealing with your spouse, dealing with your family, dealing with your friends, anybody, you start trying to act with them like you don't understand what's going on or you don't understand why they're upset or you don't know why this or that, you are opening both doors to the devil to come into your situation. Because he is the father of lies. And he will come to deceive. The truth will make you free. If you see, say you see. If you know, say you know. If it makes you look bad, well, so be it. That's how it is. Right? If the next question is, well, if you know all that, why didn't you do it? (laughs) If you understood, why did you say that? Why did you do that? Just shake your head and go, flesh, messed up, no excuse. Thank God, though, there is forgiveness <laughs> and cleansing. When's it okay not to submit? Walk in the light that you have. Do what you know. But what if this and what if that? Have you ever heard people, you know, they want to be intellectual. Well, what if there's a circumstance where you've got a person doing this, you've got a person doing this, and what if this and what if under these set of... Oh, hush. Hush. There's rebellion in it. Do what you know to do. Well, yeah, but... and but. See, all of this is an excuse to stall. Because as long as we can deliberate and discuss and take apart and examine, well, all the while we're doing this week after week and month after month, you don't have to do it, you think. Well, if we ever get this thing figured out, then we'll go ahead and do what the Bible said. (laughs) He expects you to do it, implement it immediately upon realization. That makes everything individual between me and the Lord. What my spouse does 
or doesn't do doesn't change that. What my spouse sees or doesn't see. What my spouse does or doesn't do. How does that change what I see? And what I know. See people have tried to make it complicated and confusing. But it's not. It's real simple. (laughs) Walk in the light you have. Do what you know to do. No matter what they do or don't do. You do what you know is right. You do what you know the Lord told you to do. Can you say, so be it, amen, oh me? What? Huh? So when folks are asking, when is it okay to not do this anymore? When is it okay to do this? When is God? Well, when is it okay to not do what you know to do? Never. It's very simple. If you don't know it, the Lord's not holding you accountable for it. You don't see it yet. You don't understand it. I know flying's. Uh, the Lord prompted me about that. Uh, you know, we're the cockpit of modern aircraft is getting more and more advanced, and air traffic control system, and we got computers all through the plane. And uh, you know, just like at your computer at your house, has it ever done something that it wasn't supposed to do? Huh? It came up and flashed this and that. And of course, then when you're ripping through the air, you know, it gets your attention, and, and we look at each other and go, "Why'd it do that? What is that?" And there's been documented cases, uh, widely known, of planes that crashed because crew focused on what they didn't know and didn't understand instead of focusing on what they already knew, how to fly the airplane. I mean, uh, I've had autopilots just get a mind of their own. You're flying along, everything's great, and then the plane just goes, whoop. And you go, what? What are you doing? Well, I could sit there and I could talk to whoever's across from me. I could go, I don't understand this. Do you understand this? No, I don't understand it. What's going on? I don't know. And we could just shut down and crash. What do you do? In the middle of pressure situations, it's not time to camp on what you don't understand. It's time to push that aside and do what you know to do. I So first thing I do, I click autopilot off. I know if I keep this baby with enough airspeed, enough altitude, we'll fly. Huh? Don't get too slow. Don't get too low. <laughs> Basic stuff, right? <laughs> if I don't get too slow, I won't fall out of the air and stall. If I don't get too low, I won't hit anything. Just keep some speed, keep some altitude, we'll find us an airport, we'll land, and then we have all day to talk about what happened. (laughs) But I got to immediately be a doer of what I know. I know I got to do this to make it fly. Well, the Lord has told us things, and we know some things. We are not totally ignorant. But can you see the subtlety of the enemy? How people have thought, well, because I don't understand this, and I don't know this, and I don't know that, then they just quit. That that excuses them doing what they know to do. And they just shut down and quit. That's when you see crashes. Not just with airplanes, but marriages. Crash and burn. Because people quit flying the airplane. 
and just sat there and looked at the screen and went, why is it doing that? I don't know, why is it doing that? I don't know, I wish you would quit doing that. I would do too. Forget it. Fly the plane. What am I talking about? Forget it. Well, here, what, why did he start doing like that? Why did she start acting like that? Why this? Why that? How come this? How come that? You know to walk by faith. You know to trust God and believe that no matter what happens, all things are possible. He'll never leave you. He'll never fail you. You don't get down. You don't get depressed. You stay in faith. You know to walk in love. You know to be led by the Spirit. Don't you? Do what you know. Somebody say, do what you know. No matter what anybody else does or doesn't do, do what you know. No matter what you can understand or what's perplexing you or what you just cannot fathom, just do what you know. Do what you know. And you will be walking in the light. And there will be an undergirding faith. Why would you just keep on doing what you know? Just keep on doing Because you are in faith that God's going to see you through this thing. And what you don't know, he's going to show you. Whatever you need, he will add to you. But you are coming through. Say it out loud. Do what you know. Thank you, Master. Don't get embroiled. Don't get entangled. In these details with questions about when's it okay to do this and when's it okay to do that and can I do this and when can I do that. And that's looking back to the past and it's being legalistic. You have the Spirit of God inside you. And if you'll be honest, you know some things to do. Right? Do that and leave the rest with Him. Do that and leave them with Him. Yeah, but them this, and yeah, but them that. Hey, that's between them and, and him. If they don't do what they know to do, well, they'll be held accountable for it. But if they don't do what they know to do, and they get in trouble, you want to get in trouble too? <laughs> By not doing what you know to do? Making it worse? At least if one of you is doing what they know to do, there'll be some stability and some faith and some avenue for God to work. If both of you quit, it's over. Nothing to work with. Nothing to bless. Thank you, Master. Go to John, the fourth chapter, please. We're never going to see the whole thing. We know in part. All we can do is walk in the parts we know. But that's enough. When you're walking in the light you have, the grace of the Lord and the blood of the Lamb makes up the difference. And we'll make it. We've made it this far. He'll take us the rest of the way. All we got to do is. Do what we know. This question has come up. uh, Repeatedly. Concerning marriage. And divorce. And remarriage. And uh, I believe. Some solid answers are right here in John. And the fourth chapter. What about divorce? What about remarriage? We already know the answer is love, excuse me, faith, hope, and love. The answers are in there. And involved in that is the leading of the Spirit walking in the light that you have, as we've already said. But Jesus brings some real clarity 
to the woman at the well in her situation. In John 4.16, he told her, remember he met this woman at the well, and he said, go call your husband and come here. John 4.16. Jesus said, go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. I have no husband. Was that true? That she didn't have a husband. Well read the rest of it. Jesus said to her. You have well said. You said it right. I have no husband. Verse 18. For you have had five husbands. And he whom you now has. Is not your husband. In that saidest thou truly. You said the truth. When she said, I have no husband, and yet she's been married five times, and now she's not with her last, her fifth husband. She's living with somebody that she's not married to. And so the the final statement is, she doesn't have a husband. What does that mean? Well, just because you were married to someone doesn't mean you are married to someone. And just because you're living with someone doesn't mean you're married to them. According to Jesus. Now there's some whole groups and churches and part of their doctrine is that whoever you first married, that was your only true uh, spouse, husband or wife, and will always be the only one God ever acknowledged. How can that be? With what he just said. Jesus acknowledges. That every one of these five. Were her. uh, Was her husband. Didn't he? Look at it. Let me read the God's word translation of this. Verse 17. The woman replied. I don't have a husband. Jesus told her. You're right. When you say. You don't have a husband. You've had or you have had five husbands and the man you have now isn't your husband you've told the truth so just because you were married to a person doesn't mean you're always married to that person in the eyes of the Lord that's just simply not true nor just because you have lived with someone for years Does it mean you are married in the eyes of the Lord? No, it does not. Marriage is covenant. Covenant can be broken. But marriage is supposed to be a man and a woman standing up in front of God and their family and their friends and entering into a lifelong covenant. And uh, if You know, you've been married before or more than once, several times. Don't be legalistic and don't look to the past. You'll find that the scripture emphasizes what's going on now. Go to 1 Corinthians 7, you'll see what I'm talking about. I'm not just talking about details, I'm talking about the spirit of things and how to discern truth and error. Error is legalistic. And error emphasized the past. Say it out loud. Past Past and legalism. legalism. 
See, these are indicators of error. And, and the truth in the New Testament emphasizes the light you have. Now, it emphasizes faith and love and hope being led by the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 17, this is the New Century Version. The New Century Version. He said, in any case, each one of you should continue to live the way God has given you to live, the way you were when God called you. This is a rule I make in all the churches. If a man was already circumcised when he was called, he should not undo his circumcision. If a man was without circumcision when he was called, he should not be circumcised. It's not important. If a man is circumcised or not, the important thing is obeying God's commands. Doing what you know. Doing what you know. How could you do the commands you don't know? Each one of you should stay the way you were when God called you. If you were a slave when God called you, do not let that bother you. If you can be free, then make good use of your freedom. Those who were slaves when the Lord called them are free persons who belong to the Lord. In the same way, those who were free when they were called are now Christ's slaves. You all are bought with a great price. Do not be slaves of people. Brothers and sisters, each of you should stay as you were when you were called and stay there with God. He even tells a man if he's a slave, if he's the property of somebody else, don't think you can't serve the Lord in that situation. He tells people who are married to unbelievers, don't just divorce them. If their plea, see, when you came into light is when he's expecting you. Now walk in the light from the time you got it. Walk in it. What happened before you had light is another thing. Can y'all see this, friends? And he tells people, you know, if your husband or your wife, if they're even an unbeliever, don't just divorce them. Don't just write them off. If they're pleased to dwell with you. And of course, the hope is that they'll get saved and they'll come in. But if they refuse the Lord and they leave, he said, you're not, you're not bound in that situation. And people want to try to get technical about it. No. You know things on the inside, if you'll be honest. You're in the middle of a situation, and you know people say, "Well, you know, Jesus said, except for the uh, the case of fornication." Yeah, but He didn't say you had to divorce them if they had an affair. If somebody's regularly having sex with somebody else, He doesn't require you to put up with that and stay. But nor did He say you had to write them off. We are new creations. We have the Spirit of God inside us. Come on. We've got love and faith of God. It's not legalism. There's one commandment for the entire New Testament church. Marriage is included. The love command. And there's one way to please God in every situation. It's faith. Including marriage and kids and Every relationship and everything. So many times when people are are trying to be legalistic, 
They're trying to get out of what they know. They're trying to find an excuse not to do what they know. And even though you go through all kind of gyrations and, and you come up with definitions of Hebrew and Greek words and, and you can quote this one and that one, and you can convince everybody around you how just you are and what you are or are not doing. If you violate the light that you have, you have sinned. And I don't care if everybody agrees with you that you're okay, you're not okay. To him that knows to do good. Him or her that knows what to do in their heart. Doesn't do it, it's sin. It's not legalism. It's not based on everything that's happened in the past. We're new creations. We've got the living spirit of God inside of us. We can pray and hear from God. What's the answer to a million and one questions about marriage relationships? Be led. Go to him. Seek him. Now he's always going to lead you in line with the rest of the word. He's the one that authored the book. But don't be legalistic. Do I have to this? Do I have to that? Can I this? Can I that? You don't have to do anything. You don't ever have to come to church again. You don't ever have to pray again. You don't have to be saved. No. It's not the past. It's not legalism. It's a living relationship and fellowship with him. And he says, the today's English version, he says, each one of you should go on living according to God's gift to him as he was when God called him. This is the rule I teach in all churches. Verse 20, everyone should remain as he was when he accepted God's call. Why? That's when you got light. And don't live in condemnation because of your past mistakes. A lot of times you didn't have light. A lot of stuff was done in darkness and confusion and ignorance. And even if you violated light, it's already happened. You can't go back. Let the Lord forgive you. Let him cleanse you. He is the glory and the lifter up of your head. No need you going around, you know, your head down, dragging your feet, feeling like an inferior second rate person because you've made mistakes in these areas. The Lord looks at the heart, doesn't he? Even if you've made grievous mistakes, if you've truly repented, if you've truly asked him to forgive you and receive that cleansing, and if you are today walking in all the light you have, doing what you know to do, nobody can do any more. Right? And you will be accepted of the Lord. And even if you're making some mistakes still because of your ignorance, if you don't know it, you don't know it. And the blood of the Lamb is continuously cleansing you from that sin of ignorance. Isn't he gracious? Isn't he merciful? He's so kind. Don't be legalistic. Don't look back. Walk in the light you have right now. Just do what you know to do right now. Do the best you know now. And trust him to show you what you need to see next. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. You know, let me touch on this. We've had this question come up uh, throughout the years a few times. And I don't want to spend too much time on this. But I I just want to make sure it's crystal clear. Because we've got new people that might not have been here several years ago when I said something about it. But people ask, what about interracial marriages? You know, I don't even so much use that word. 
uh, interracial because it implies different races. And I understand if you're talking about the Bible differentiates between different tribes and, and what have you. But skin color means absolutely no more than hair color or eye color. Are y'all with me? And you hear some of these twisted things about, you know, well, Cain killed his brother Abel and the Lord put a mark on him. And people say, well, that mark was that he was, he was black. Say what? <laughs> and where did you get that? <laughs> now think about this. The mark was supposed to prevent people from hurting him and killing him. Well, if being black and dark is supposed to keep people from hurting you and killing you, it hadn't worked so well. No, that is pure fabrication. That is pure fiction. Skin color. Well, why are we different, different shades? You know, it ain't black and white. There's pink and tan, reddish. Huh? Yellowish and brown and different shades of. We are a variety of colors. It's pigmentation. It's melanin. It's a result of the sun. Wow. No, but hey, all you got to do is go out in it and you get darker. Yes or no? And after generations of it, there's genetics and carryover. I'm telling you, there's no more difference in skin color than hair color or eye color. It's no difference. Here's a flash. God is not white. (laughs) He's not. He's not black either. We'd probably call him copper colored. The scripture said he looks like polished bronze. And angels are that color. What color was Adam and Eve? Probably that color because he made them in his likeness and image. And we were all, you know, if you think about this kind of in the middle and then there's things on both sides of it. No, shouldn't be an issue. Color of a person's skin. God looks at the heart, right? And you know, what's about this single people? Well, I want to marry a dark-skinned person, or I want to marry a light-skinned person. I want somebody with, with blue eyes, and I want them to be at least X amount high, and I want them to be a uh, certain weight. And uh, There's a lot more to a human being than a body. What you want is the right person with the right heart and spirit. And you better be open to what that might be. And oftentimes you'll be surprised. It can be different. But people starving to death for water should not be picky as to what cup it's served to them in. (laughs) Parched, lips parched, you know, about to fall out. And they go, oh no, I don't like black cups. I don't, I can't drink from a white cup. I can't drink from, whether it's ministry or life or marriage, 
Don't get hung up on the cup. It's what's inside. Do you believe it? Uh, People ask the question, will we know one another in heaven? And what about people that have been married and remarried? Uh, You know, you've been married twice since your first partner died and been in heaven for 30 years. What's going to happen if y'all all show up to heaven in the same place? <laughs> and your first wife goes, who is this woman? <laughs> and what is she doing with you? <laughs> Matthew 22, they put this question to Jesus. You remember? Thought they had him in a corner. Thought they really had, you know. And again, notice, past and legalism. You'll see it right here. Matthew 22 and 28. They had told the story of a a man and woman that had been married. And and the law said if you, your brother died and had no children, you should raise up seed to your brother's name by marrying his wife. And, and so they did that and... And then he died and she married brother number three and he died and she married brother number four and he died and she married brother number five and he died and brother six and and seven and he died. So she married all seven brothers. Let's just stop right here. Were all seven her husband at one time? Yes. According to Jesus, yes. And uh, said uh, in the resurrection, because they didn't believe in resurrection. So see, they said that with quotation marks. In the resurrection, whose wife shall she be of the seven? Because they think, oh man, you know, this proves how dumb this resurrection idea is. Legalism and past. And verse 29, Jesus said, you err. You don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. All your rules, technicalities. In the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. Marriage will not be then and there like here. And some people don't like the sound of that. They think, well, I want to be with my spouse. Who said you wouldn't be? But you won't be married. Like you are down here. And for one thing. this is Now this is. My perception of it. I don't think there will be any sex. Be something much better. The Bible said you'll be as angels. And the angels. They don't go through the ceremonies. And all these things. If sex is taken completely out of the equation. Can you see how a lot of things open up. But I do believe this, according to Ecclesiastes 3.14. He said, I know whatever God does, it shall be forever. And the scripture said, what God joins together, let no man separate or put asunder. So if he joins you with your spouse, and I believe it goes beyond this, with being joined to other people. I wouldn't be surprised, Faith Life Church, if we don't see each other again on the other side. 
in some things. Because if whatever God does, it's forever. And God joinings of people's hearts and lives, I believe, will extend past this life. And all of the, we will keep all of the good and lose all the problem areas. Don't you believe that? (laughs) But it's not going to be an issue. No need in wasting your time worrying about it. Because that will be a total waste of good time. You could be having fun doing something else. (laughs) Can you say amen? Uh, Phyllis, you want to come up now and, and help me? My helper, help me. You need a mic or you got a mic? I got a mic. Are you on? No, I didn't turn it on yet. You better turn it on. Then they'll hear what I say. There you are. We want to hear. Well, I thought the Lord has really used Phyllis this week and done a... Amen. She hadn't always been the first one to volunteer when it comes time to preach. But uh, how many think she ought to do it some more? Amen. Okay, it's settled. You get get to do it some more. They all think that you should. Um. I want us to deal with uh, a few of the other areas. Brother Hagen used to say, Kenneth Hagen talking about uh, marriages and problems, he said, you'll see these three areas over and over again. That people have trouble over money and sex and children. And a lot of the questions that we received over the years, they fall in these categories. Before we do that, could I do what I got while you were going through your part? Please. Um, All night he's been talking about when is it not okay to submit, you know. And like I said earlier in the week, that um, that's the first question that I've always gotten when I've taught on this. I'd like for us to read just a second, if we could, um, Ephesians 5. I think the Lord has given me something I think that we'll all maybe see something different on. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. In the NIV, guys. It says, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the Lord is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. His body, of which he is Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing of the water through the word, to present her to himself a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever yet hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of this body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and will be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. 
However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. As I was sitting there, this came so strong to me about Keith feeding you and about him being the pastor of this church and the lead of the church. And he does it. I know most people don't know how he does it, but he spends hours sometimes with no sleep before he comes in to share and to give his heart out because he loves you. And I was thinking about when a person gets saved. When a person first gets saved, the very first thing that they do oftentimes is, how much tithe do I have to give? Do I have to tithe off of this? Do I have to tithe off of that? Do I have to tithe off of this? You become saved for very long. You begin to realize it's not about the tithe. It's about loving the Lord. It's about how much you love God and how much you can give to God and how much you want to give to God. It's not about how much you want to hold back from giving to God. It's about how much you want to give to God. And it's the same way in a marriage relationship. And that's what he's relating it to as Christ and the church. And I was thinking as I was sitting there, if Keith were to come in here, And he were to say, every time you came to church. Now, people, you are supposed to tithe. Where is your tithe? I want your tithe now. It says in the Bible, tithe. (laughs) Give me your tithe. Open your billfolds. Okay, open them up. Give me your billfold. Jack, give me your billfold. Give me your tithe. I'm waiting on your tithe. The Bible says tithe, Jack. Give me your tithe. It's in the car. He didn't even bring his billfold. It's in the car. How is he going to tithe without his billfold? The wife's got the pocketbook. But if every single time you came to church, he pressed you and he pressed you and he pressed you and he pressed you about your tithe. And the Bible says to tithe, and you're a baby Christian. Or maybe you've been saved for 30 years. You'd get sick of hearing it, and you'd find someplace else to go. It doesn't matter what the Bible says that we're supposed to do. If it's not done in the love that he read to us. If he doesn't tell you about tithing in love and give you the option of doing it out of your love for God and out of your love for this church and out of your love for what's going on here, you're never going to do it. You can press your wife till Jesus comes back. But until you do it out of love, she's never going to do it. You submit because you love. You submit to us at this church and serve in every area that you are supposed to serve. Why? Because you love God and you love us. Not because anybody's pounding it into you every day. You'll never do it that way. A wife will never submit to her husband. A child will never submit to a parent that way. It will never happen. 
We're supposed to do it as Christ loved the church. When Keith comes in here every Sunday, he comes in here with all the love he has and to feed you and nourish you, just like a husband is supposed to do a wife. Not to beat them down, but to feed you and build you up so that you desire to tithe, so that you'll have money to give to other places. And you'll be able to fulfill everything God's called you to do with your money. Not so that you're beaten down and demanded to tithe. Or any other area. Tithe was just one example that people understand real clearly, right? And it came so clearly to me when Keith said... That part about, I just lost it again, Lord help me, um, uh, people quitting and stopping. How many people do you know that when they came to church, they got saved and they were on fire for God until somebody told them they had to start giving money? And then they started backing up and they started losing going forward with God. You don't want that. You want to be able to build people up to where they can go forward. And that's what our job is. Whether it's our kids, it it goes further. The next part talks about employers and employees. It goes all through your life. But we're talking about marriages tonight. And that's what came up in my heart when you were talking about that. Very good. I actually had written something down. I'm glad you brought it up. Because uh, I wrote this phrase down. Free advice and unwanted assistance. (laughs) Free advice and unwanted assistance. Um, You're not supposed to, you know, people say, well, it's the truth. It's the truth. It's, It's just my, I've heard preachers say, it's just my job to give them the truth. No, we're to speak the truth in love. Just cold, hard facts is not what he said to. And uh, the proverb says, the sweetness of the lips increases learning. And Jesus said, don't cast your pearls before swine. Don't give that which is holy to the dogs. What does that mean? Your valuable, precious things and the word concerning tithing, the word concerning submission, the word concerning love, it's not bondage. It's precious. It's life. People that say, well, I'm tired of hearing about loving. I'm tired of hearing about submission. That's acting a fool. This is the word that makes you free. This is what answers everything you need in your life. But if somebody does not want to hear it, In most cases, we're told from the scripture, quit trying to tell them. Free advice and unwanted assistance. (laughs) Anybody know what I'm talking about or not? Well, if I told him once, I've told him 930 times. (laughs) That was probably 929 too many. (laughs) Well, yeah, but they need to hear it. Maybe they do. People need to tie Whether they know it or not, they need to. But it's not my job to compel or to insist or to demand. If folks don't want to hear it, we're told to back off. That includes your spouse. 
husbands, wives, if they don't want to hear it, you're supposed to be quiet. I'm going to go over this again real slow. (laughs) Yeah, but they need it. So, a lot of people need a lot of things. It's the answer. It's the truth. So, it's the truth that you should be saved and, and that you should pray and love God. And, but you don't have to do it. You can live and die and never do any of it. And this is true. Somebody was telling me the other day that, about some uh, young people. They were coming to the church and excited that had been bitter against God for some time. And were going to invite their friends that were involved in some pretty substantial sin. And they were going to come. That delighted me. I said that delighted me. Because they thought, well, they said concerning their friends that were involved in a lot of junk that I think they might listen to Brother Keith. I thought, glory to God. Yes. Now, when they show up, do I need to be laying for them to jump on that sin? Huh? Pound the pulpit and go, sin, sin is sin. Sin will take you to hell. The sin's not the problem. Jesus has taken care of the sin problem. The sin is not the problem. Well, yeah, but they're doing this and this is wrong. And family members and and spouses really mess up in this area. Well, they're doing this and they need to quit doing this. Yeah, and they probably have known it a long time. And you hollering about it and saying something about it another 500 times will probably not bring them any closer to doing it. Which is why if you can tell they don't want to hear it, you need to zip it. You know, they're, they're committing adultery, they're doing drugs, they're, they're lying, they're stealing, they're doing this, they're all kind of sexual sin and this and that and the other. That's not the problem. Don't harp on it. Yeah, but I'm concerned for them. I know you are, but it won't fix it. What they need is to know him. If they don't know him, to get born again and know him. If they do know him or had, had received him, they need to grow in a living, real relationship with him. That's the issue. And if, they're re- if he's getting real to them and they're knowing him and loving him, he will show them in these areas. It'll come clear to them what they need to see as they're able to receive it and, and have grace and strength to deal with it. But us beating on the sin... When that's not even the problem, they don't even know the Lord or they don't have a relationship with him. It doesn't work. They'll be doing it next time you see them. A lot of times if rebellion's involved, they'll do it twice in front of you just for spite. (laughs) Are you all okay? Thank you, Lord. Was there something else before we go on? No, just what you were saying, pretty much. That, you know, the Word says that you're not supposed to be bitter towards each other and that sort of thing, and that's what that leads to, offenses and bitterness, hardness, yep. and no kisses. <laughs> well, that's a bad thing. <laughs> Sounds bad. It is bad. 
You sure don't want that. We're supposed to have abundance of everything. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, let's touch on these three areas a little bit as we, as the Lord would help us to. Money. Phyllis just got through talking about it some. We should have lots of it. We should have lots of it. The key uh, is putting God first. We've had a number of our uh, folks that have gotten married recently in the church. They've included tithing in their covenant vows and their commitment. Because if you want God to be first in your house and supply all your needs, you need to put him first. And... um, you know, you hear people uh, get in trouble because of they call it faith, but they don't keep up with anything. And they just kind of try to fly by the seat of their pants and hope everything works out okay. That's not all right. Whether it's the man or woman or both of them, people say, oh, you don't have to keep up with all that. And, and let's just, uh, you know, let's just believe it all works out. And, and I've had uh, people write in and they said, well, you know, uh, my spouse said, come on, let's go out and eat. And, and if we don't do it, they'll get mad. But all the while I'm sitting there at the restaurant, I'm knowing we don't have money to do this. And this is going to make checks bounce and this and the other. And they go, oh, just trust God. That's not faith. That's foolishness. No, the Bible says, be diligent to know the state of your flocks. You and she are supposed to know what you got coming in, what you got going out. You need to know the details on all your bills, any obligations or debts. You don't just go, well, you know, we'll just, we'll just get what we want and just believe everything works out. That's not faith. That's not faith. But you do need to be together. It's surprising how many husbands and wives live such separate lives. I mean, everything's separated. Their hobbies, their money, their interests, their, I mean, they, they're married legally. Everything you got's mine. I know. <laughs> A lot of times I, I get something new and Phyllis hollers, covenant, covenant. <laughs> and I may not see it again. Just a couple of days ago, caught her in my closet. She's coming out with some shirts. Covenant, she hollers. Those shirts are gone. But that's not a problem. Why would it be a problem? I've seen husband and wives get angry at the table because some uh, their spouse ate some of their food. That's poverty, man. Isn't it? Be in real trouble. Isn't that poverty? That's like little kids. That's mine. Your food's touching my food. <laughs> That's mine. That's really childish, isn't it? We should be free-hearted. We should be generous. We should have faith. If, you know, we don't have enough to do both and, and it's happening for them... We should rejoice. And you can eat all be the glad. fish. We'll be in covenant. Yep. 
Don't hide. Don't spend money and hide it. You know, and lie. That you can't be blessed doing that. Don't incur things and debts and obligations and not tell each other and make the other person responsible. We're in this together, right? Talk about things. Sit down and look at it together. Lay it out on the table. There's power in agreement. But agreement's more than just saying you agree, yeah, I agree, you agree, yeah, I agree. No, it's got to be in the heart. It's a connection. But when you genuinely get in agreement on something, man, the devil just has to get out of the way. It comes through. Don't hide. Uh, concerning children, you want to say anything else about that other part? Just remember it. But yours is mine. That's yeah. All we I got it. <laughs> I'm glad about it. I know. I'm glad. I just sow it and then I get to reap the harvest. On it. <laughs> Everybody stays happy. Uh, there are a lot of Composite families, uh, families that are a combination of previous marriages and situations, uh, not just a few, a lot in the church. A lot of you are dealing with parts of this family and that family and how to combine them and how to make them work. And, and it is the source of a lot of trouble, contention. And uh, we've had... Ladies upset, and they said, well, you know, he, he favors his children from this marriage over these children, or she does. And uh, people that say, well, you know, his ex can call any time of day or night, and whatever she says, he jumps and does it, and it makes her mad, and, or vice versa. And, Make me mad, too. <laughs> and... Uh, are spending money disproportionately. Well, they, they spend all their money on these kids, and, and these kids uh, do without. And uh, Looking at the past and legalism. Well, we have to divide everything up equally and, and fair and legalism. That's not the answer. It's not the answer. What's the answer? Does anybody know from what we've already covered? Do what you know. You know in your heart, if you'll be honest, what you should do in this situation. And, and who has a right to speak into the child's life? Because, uh, boy, you, you have small and large wars over this. Well, you're not their father, and you can't tell them this. Well, you're not their mother, and, and you can't tell them this. Just because you gender a child doesn't make you a father. And just because you gave birth doesn't make you a mother. Who is in the child's life? Who is taking responsibility that the children are clothed and fed and housed? Who's spending time with them? Who's setting a godly example before them? That's your fathers and mothers. The people that are, not technicalities, not pieces of paper, the people that's doing it. 
And you know, one of the greatest things that my, uh, my parents ever did for me, and I think this ought to be strong with sons and fathers and daughters and mothers. My dad, from the time I was 10 years old, especially into my early teens and then the rest of my growing up, he would listen to me. I mean, we'd sit under the oak tree. He'd listen to me and just let me talk for an hour or two at a time and not interrupt me. Now, I'm sure at 10, 11, 12, 13 years old, everything I'm saying is not brilliant. But he would, uh, he would listen to me and actually pay attention to what I was saying and consider it. It did something for me. It gave me confidence. I never struggled with insecurity like a lot of kids did. I just, you know, if my dad, whom I respected, if he thought I was intelligent and had something to say, it affects how I uh, dealt with other people. I spoke publicly. Looking back now, it was some things that was preparing me for the ministry, but uh, we, were, we were off at a place in another city one time in some group we were, and uh, somebody said, well, we need the person that was going to run for president of this chapter didn't show up, and what are we going to do? And I said, I'll run. <laughs> they said, you run. I said, I'll run. And with no notice, got up on the platform. I mean, there's all kind of people. And I gave a speech as to why they ought to vote me in. And, and they all did. <laughs> Somebody say confidence. confidence. Parents, one of the greatest things you can do for your children is listen to them. Listen to them. Let them talk. Not just for three minutes. Listen to them. Well, they won't tell me anything. Why? Have you cut them off every time they started to? You shut them down every time? Treated them like they were stupid? Well, they're just kids. That's it right there. Mm-mm. Faith treats them like where they're headed. Faith treats them in faith like what they're becoming they may be acting childish. They may be doing some foolish things. But faith will treat them like they're more of an adult and they'll rise to it. Can you say amen? Amen. You want to say anything on that? That just doesn't go for kids. It goes for husbands and wives. It goes for everybody. If you want to hear what they've got to say, you need to listen to what they've got to say and not yeah. cut them off every time they get ready to say something or correct everything they're saying. I mean, there's a lot of situations in marriages today that they won't talk to each other because one of them has always got the floor and the other one is always being corrected. And um, if that's the way it is, that's why they're not talking. So uh, you might look into it and see what's the situation. If you're doing the same thing with your spouses as you are with your kids, that might be a reason that nobody's talking. Uh, Phyllis met some people... uh, I don't know, just a few weeks ago. And she had seen them before. They were just in a public place. And the little kids had been to Disney World. Is that what it was? And, or, yeah. And uh, Phyllis is great with kids. And they told her their whole life story three minutes after meeting her. And uh, 
So the little bitty guy, I guess you were telling me, and the older girl, and he, she did all the talking. And once in a while, he'd go to speak, and she'd reach over and put her hand on his mouth. <laughs> you know, husbands and wives do that to each other. They do that. I know years ago, we were with some people, and, and uh, this couple had been married a long, long time. And the guy started to tell something. And he, I mean, he hadn't made a couple of sentences until his wife said, oh, called his name, said, shut up now. You're getting it all messed up. Let me tell it. And uh, he just kind of sat back and slumped. And, and she gave the correct version, her version, and went on and on. He didn't say another word the whole time. And the Lord prompted me. He said, he gave up a long, long time ago. And so he just don't try anymore. And the other party wondered, well, why won't they open up to me? And why won't they talk to me? And why won't they share with me? Well, you know, if you get this every time, you'll tend not to share. So that works for either side with, you know, the man or the woman. That's not respectful, is it? The Bible tells the wife to See to it that she respects and reverences her husband. And the Bible tells the husband to honor his wife. And so you got it. We're commanded. Now if we know to do it. Well what about You don't have to know all the other details. If you know to do that. You know enough to start making changes. Right? Just do what you know. What if we walk in the light? We'll have fellowship. Somebody say glory to God fellowship thank you master you got anything else you want to touch on Phil hmm (laughs) (laughs) I was just showing what they did (laughs) thank you Lord why don't you stand up everybody we could go on Singers and players, if you'd come, I want us to pray over you. I want us to release our faith in these words. Believe that they're working mightily in us. He said uh, there remains these three, faith, hope, and love. No matter what happens, what comes and goes, these will always be around. They'll always work. And the greatest of these is is love. Faith believes when it doesn't see any change. Faith believes and keeps on when everything says it's hopeless. Hope has expectation. It just keeps expecting it. Day in, day out. You know, in a lot of situations, uh, family members are not believing God. Sometimes children, even I'm talking about grown children now, or or grown-up grandchildren, they're not serving God. They're not living right. They're not in faith. They're not in an expectation. They need somebody that is. That's us. I said, that's us. When everybody else has given up, and everybody else and the other party's not even trying anymore, that's when it's all the more critical and important that somebody keeps believing. I'm looking at the somebodies. That's us. A lot of our family and friends, and, and there may be spouses that are not here. 
not even trying to serve God or live right. They may not have seen the light that we have seen. So the Lord, even though they're messing things up in their own life, he's not holding them accountable. It's not sin like it would be for us. They hadn't seen it yet. But not only are we blessed to have seen what we've seen, we're responsible to hold on and walk the light that we have. Won't you just close your eyes and lift up your heart before the Lord? Hallelujah. Phyllis, I want you to help me pray on this prayer as well when I come to a place. Father God, I pray concerning these words that we have heard and we've considered and we've meditated upon and received. Everybody pray it out loud and say, Thy word be unto me as it is written, as I have heard, as it was spoken. Be it unto me according to your word. Thank you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.